This is a One and All Media podcast. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. We are taking the gospel to the world. Pastor, apologist, and Bible teacher. Bringing people far from God near to God. We believe in one truth that will be delivered in love and compassion. Connecting every one person to all that God has promised them. Today. Today. Today with Jeff Fines. You're listening to Today with Jeff Fines. Welcome to the program. My name's Aaron, and I'm glad you're back to hear the rest of this message as we continue in our series, The Story, where we're looking at all the major events in the Bible, starting in Genesis and ending in the book of Revelation. Now, we're picking up looking at a tiny little book in the Old Testament titled Ruth, and this is a story of Ruth and her mother-in-law, Naomi. If you've missed the first part of this message or you want to catch up on this series, wherever you listen to podcasts, search for Today with Jeff Fines, and you'll be able to find all of the episodes there. Let's hear the rest of this message. Pastor Jeff is going to be starting in Ruth chapter 2, the story of when Boaz meets Ruth working on his land. It's a no-win situation. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, notice how the author keeps telling us Ruth the Moabite? Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, go ahead, my daughter. That's an amazing statement. Because Naomi knows that if Ruth goes, she's probably not going to come back. But she also knows if Ruth doesn't go, they're both going to die. You might as well take the chance. So she says, go ahead. So she went out, entered a field, and began to glean behind the harvesters. As it turned out, she was working in the field belonging to Boaz, who was from the clan of Elimelech. Now, do you see what's happening? There's a relative of Naomi who has a field, a relative of Elimelech, her husband. His name is Boaz. And it just so happens that the field that Ruth ends up is a relative of Naomi's. Huh, go figure. Let me say something to you. You need to hear this. All of us need to hear this. Your God is too small. God is able to be completely involved in every detail of your life while at the same time being involved in every detail of billions of other people's lives. He's not limited by time and space. He can be fully, directly, completely engaged and involved in every detail of your life and every other life, past, present, future. That's how big God is. So God, if he wants to, can lead Ruth to a field possibly where she could be ransomed and redeemed. Now, here's the problem. No, it's not a problem. Boaz. Boaz sees this new girl gleaning on his land. You would expect him to go to his mates and say, dude, dude, who's the new gleaner? She's kind of cute. Because Bo knows. And to show you how dangerous all this is, Bo goes to... Ruth and says, my daughter, listen to me. Don't go and glean in another field. In other words, Ruth, man, I'm so glad you're here because if you were any other place, they'd kill you by now. And don't go away from here. Man, you need to wear out a path from my field to where it is you're staying and don't go outside that territory. Stay here with the women who work for me. These are not the gleaners now. 
You would harvest, the men would harvest and the women would pick it up in baskets and collect it. She said, watch the field where the men are harvesting and follow along after the women. Don't glean, in other words, around the edges. You come into the middle and harvest the good stuff. I have told the men not to lay a hand on you. He would have to. And whenever you are thirsty, go get a drink from water jars that the men have filled. So Boaz says, Ruth, harvest right here the good stuff. And my men will take care of you. They won't lay a hand on you. And Boaz says, Ruth, my men will meet your thirst. Now stay with me. She's so astounded and overwhelmed by the generosity shown by somebody who has the power to slay her that she's so happy that she runs home to Naomi. And remember, she doesn't have the gleanings around the edges. This is like going into a butcher's shop and sweeping up the stuff on the floor and taking that home. No, she's got the rack of lamb hanging in the freezer. And she brings it. And you know what Naomi's going to say? She's going to say, girlfriend, where did you glean today? <laughs> no, what, the rack of lamb. You got, and Ruth says, Boaz filled. And when Naomi hears that, Naomi says, the Lord bless him. That man is our close relative. He is one of our guardian redeemers. That's that word goel, kinsman redeemer is a better translation. Now, what is that? Because you got to know, Leviticus 25, when Joshua brought the people into the promised land, divided the land, God knew the ebb and flow of life. He's a generous God and God wants families to stay together. So he says, I'm going to make provision. If one of these families loses their land, I want to make two provisions in order for them to be able to get their land back. Because God knew that families need to stay together. It's important for everybody involved. And so he said, if you lose your land, whether through just bad management or a poker game, whatever, every 50 years, the year of Jubilee, all the land would go back to its original owners. That way families could stay together. So if you were a son and daughter and your parents mismanaged the land and lost it, then you as the son or daughter at the year of Jubilee could get the land back and have a second chance. That is our God, right? The God of second chances. Now, the other thing is, if you didn't want to wait 50 years, that's a long time, then you could buy back the family land, but it could only be bought back by a kinsman redeemer, somebody that was related to the family. So Uncle Tom could come and say, hey, uh, you know, your family lost this land, but I'm a relative. I'm going to buy it back so that you have a hope and a future. And so you can understand Naomi when she heard that Ruth had attempted to glean on Boaz's land, a relative of Elimelech. Who knows how it happened? She said, man, I forgot about Elimelech. We didn't like him when we were growing up, but I like him now. Boaz, Boaz, a relative. Uncle Bo, Bo, no. And she felt like she was getting her life back. Now, here's what you have to understand, though. If Boaz were to serve as the kinsman redeemer, it's going to cost him a lot. It's going to be enormous. He would first have to buy back the land, which would put him in debt. Yet Naomi's family could not be truly restored because there's no heirs to pass the land on to. Her sons died back in Moab. The other thing he could do is marry the least or the last member of the family. And then she would produce children to create heirs. But the problem is the last member of the family is Naomi. She's too old to produce children. So her days of childbearing are over. And if Boaz marries Naomi... That means all of his treasures and property and land would go to Naomi's dead sons, which means ultimately when he dies, it would all go back to the state. Now, what kind of man would do that in a civilized or uncivilized world where property and family name and its extension meant everything? But there is one other option. He could marry Ruth. The Levitical code allowed him to actually marry Ruth, the daughter-in-law, and that would give Naomi her life back because she would have grandchildren. And then the grandchildren would become heirs. Now what happens next is 
common in the ancient world. I don't think it's ever happened in America, but there are still places in the modern world it still happens. Ruth finds out where Boaz is sleeping. And she goes in the middle of the night and she uncovers his feet and puts her head on his ankles. And I pick up the story in Ruth 3, verse 8. In the middle of the night, something startled the man. Yeah, that would startle you if a woman uncovered your feet and laid her head on your ankles. He turned and there was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked. I am your servant, Ruth, she said. Spread the corner of your garment over me. Now, this is beautiful. Remember how we talked about that when you wanted to enter into a covenant with somebody, you acted out the covenant first. Well, Ruth is proposing. You thought only men proposed in the Old Testament. You were wrong. Ruth is saying, cover me with your garment. And it's kind of metaphorical. Cover me with your love. Cover me with your provision. Cover me with your security and protection. Take me to be your wife. Be my husband, my provider. Cover me. Redeem me. Now, when my wife, Robin, begged me to marry her, she did very, very similar <laughs> things. Matter of fact, I think she said exactly what uh, happened in Ruth chapter 3, verse 9. Spread the corner of your garment over me that you are my kinsman redeemer. My go well. You can give me back my name. You can redeem. You can rescue. You can deliver. And to show you that Boaz knows exactly what married life is like, he says in Ruth chapter 3, verse 11, I will do everything you ask. Now, there's a man who knows what to do with his woman. Everything you ask. So Boaz ends up doing two things. Number one, he takes all the debt, all of it, and he gives... Naomi and Ruth, their lives back. He marries Ruth. And you have to understand on the Levitical code, as soon as he marries Ruth, all of his wealth becomes hers legally, immediately, and automatically. The debts are not merely paid for. She's given an entirely new life. It's rags to riches. But there's a second redeemer. Notice this book is not called the book of Moab or the book of Boaz. It's called the book of Ruth. Why Ruth? Because when Naomi leaves Moab to go back to Israel, Orpah and Ruth come with her, and they're going to go. And remember, Naomi says to Ruth, Orpah does go back, probably to launch a television career. But Ruth stays, and Ruth, she says, Naomi says, don't do this. Your life is back there. So, man, stay with me now. Your life is back in Moab. There you could find a husband. You could have children. You could have land. And everything that gives you significance, you can have there. But if you go with me to Israel, you're probably not going to last a day. Listen to Ruth's response. Don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. Two amazing things here. Isn't it true that when you're an immigrant and you leave your land... You're expecting that the land you go to to be better, right? That's why you leave. But do you know what Ruth is saying here? That, 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 that's the reason people risk their lives to go to the, the land. But what Ruth says to Naomi is, Naomi, I'm going to go with you to a new land, and I know, in fact, I expect it to be worse for me. Who does that? Why does she do it? She's grown to love Naomi. Maybe she saw Naomi's resolve even when she's losing her husband and her children. Maybe she saw that Naomi's God was so powerful to sustain her during the deepest and darkest days, even, even in a place like Moab. But I'll tell you what we do know. 
When she says, may the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. She doesn't use Elohim, the generic name for God. She uses the covenant, the relationship name that comes out of the burning bush toward, Noah, toward Moses. Which shows that Naomi has brought the God of Israel into Ruth's life. And Ruth has a difficult choice to make. It's clear, but it's difficult. She can leave Moab, all of the potential material gain, all of it. She can leave it behind, go to Israel. She would gain physical attributions, but she would lose her soul. Or she could stay in Moab and gain all that materialism, lose her soul, and never know the God of Israel in the way that God was meant to be known. Don't, don't pass over this. She's got a choice to make. And there are some of you that need to get out of Moab. And there are some of you that need to get out of Moab. Moab is filled with darkness and demonic activity and the worship of Kamash. Ruth knows she's not strong enough to stay that every day she stays, even though she's going to have material wealth and a social circle and a husband and children and property and land, that day after day, it will suck the spiritual vitality right out of her. She would rather live in Israel with God and without the material possessions than in Moab with the material possessions but never knowing God. Everybody in the room has a Moab. For some of you, man, you're in a relationship. You better get out of it. It's sucking you dry. And as day after day goes by, the impact and influence on you is taking you further and further away from God and more and more into stuff that just doesn't matter. For some of you, it's a job. For some of you, it's the community in which you live. It's a club to which you belong. And your biggest fear is that if you don't run in these circles that you're not going to have your position, that your power, your material wealth. And I'm saying to you, from the get-go in the Bible, God says, make a choice. It's better for you to lose those things and to gain your soul than it is to gain the whole world and lose eternity. You got to decide. Sometimes it's a relationship. Sometimes it's even a church. And I hope and pray to God it's not this one, but sometimes it's even a church. Sometimes it's even a family. Some of you men may have a mother who belittles your wife, who is cruel to her, and you left. Remember, you leave and cleave. And the best thing you could do, you say, Jeff, are you saying I could separate from my family? No, but I'm saying your first protection is your wife. Love her and protect her. Maybe you don't need to move completely out of Moab, but you need to not spend so much time there. For all of you, it's something. And you've got to make a choice. She makes the choice. She knows that if she goes with Naomi, there's a chance. There's a chance. Naomi will not die. But if she stays in Moab, she knows that Naomi will most probably die. And Ruth herself will die a spiritual death. And will never know the God of Israel. Now, just follow me here. If Naomi's going to have a life, Ruth has to give up hers. Do you hear that? If Naomi's going to have a life, Ruth has to give hers up. 
If Naomi's going to have a home, a land, a future, a family, Ruth's going to have to give up all of that for Naomi. And so Ruth impoverishes herself. Naomi becomes rich. Ruth loses herself. Naomi finds herself. Ruth suffers outside the gate. And because she suffers outside of her home, Naomi is welcomed back in. Naomi has been redeemed. Now, there's a third redeemer, and it's the end of the sermon, and I need your attention here, okay? Third redeemer. Before I mention that, can I ask you a question? What is it that really changed Naomi and Ruth's life? Okay, the power of God, transformation. Do you understand the power of friendship? Do you understand that there's an expectation God has? He gives you generosity so you will be generous to someone. He gives you mercy so you'll show mercy. He inconveniences himself so that you'll inconvenience yourself for somebody else. Do you know that when you come and stand before God, he does not want you to have an empty hand? Not, not good works, but hopefully you'll be holding somebody else's hand that you have brought to Christ through relationship and friendship. From the get-go, Jesus said that we will be fishers of men and women. That you and I, listen, I'm glad that you come. And I hope that the messages inspire you. But I'm smart enough to know that what really changes people are not these messages, but your investment in their lives. When I was in seminary, I had great professors, but they didn't transform me. The transformation happened as they dispensed the information. I had a, a friend by the name of John Whitaker who now teaches at Boise Bible College. And he and I would talk about these things and experience the word together and encourage each other, hold each other accountable. We learned more from each other probably than we did our profs. Ruth says to Naomi, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you stay, I'll stay. I'll die with you if you die. Is there somebody in your life that you would say that to? And if not, why? Why? Whose life are you changing? For who are you inconveniencing yourself to invest in somebody for the sake and the cause of Christ? Ruth and Naomi transformed one another. Naomi showed Ruth her God. Ruth sacrificed her life that Naomi may have one. Now, do you see the third redeemer? I want to show you how the story closes. And when you're reading Hebrew narratives and you come to obscurity, when you come to that obscurity, the writer's trying to create a tension in the story. And the tension is supposed to make you think about the bigger picture to get out of the weeds and look from above. I want to show you what happens. It's very difficult at first, but I'm sure we'll get it. The story ends, verse 13 of chapter 4. Here's what happens. So Boaz took Ruth, and she became his wife. When he made love to her, the Lord enabled her to conceive, and she gave birth to a son. The women said to Naomi, Praise be to the Lord, who this day has not left you without a kinsman or a guardian redeemer. Now, who's the guardian redeemer? Boaz, right? But look, the next verse. May he... Boaz, become famous throughout Israel. And here's where the obscurity starts. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. First of all, Boaz is not going to become famous throughout all of Israel just because he's the kinsman redeemer. You do for your family what you do. He's not going to be held as some hero. 
So that's a little obscure. He will renew your life and sustain you. Wow, that's a husband there, right? He'll renew your life and he'll sustain you. Okay, but you can see how it could apply. For your daughter-in-law, who's that? Ruth. Who loves you and who is better to you than seven sons. That's just a metaphor for the perfect family. Seven is perfection. Ruth is better to you because there's something she's doing for you that's better than a perfect family. Let me show you. Boaz takes Ruth. They make love. They have a kid. The women said, Naomi, praise be to the Lord. who's given you the kinsman redeemer. Next verse. May he become famous throughout Israel. He will renew your life, sustain you in your old age. Your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is better to you than seven sons, has given him birth. Wait a minute. It's the same him, he, he. Him, Ruth doesn't give birth to Boaz. She marries him. She gives birth to somebody else. Obed who is the grandfather of David, King David, through whom the Messiah comes. Has the light been turned on yet? Do you see what this book is about? It's incredible. A book written thousands of years before Jesus ever appears. And here we got Ruth, or at least hundreds of years. Look at the redeemers. Boaz, what does he do? He removes all of her debt. And all of his wealth becomes Ruth and Naomi. Does that sound familiar? And he's the kinsman redeemer. The bridegroom. The groom and the bride. Boaz and Ruth. Boaz and Ruth. And then you've got Ruth. What does Ruth do? She leaves her home and goes to a distant land. Knowing her life is going to be worse but trusting ultimately it will be better. Does that remind you of anybody who left everything he had to come here knowing his life would be worse because he's going to die for you. But for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross so that he would be seated on the right hand of the Father and you and I would be ransomed, redeemed. And everything that we've lost, everything is replaced to an infinitely greater degree because the king, when he comes into his kingdom, all of his wealth becomes yours. Do you see the book of Ruth, a Moabite woman, the gospel. That's why she's included in the genealogy. He's our kinsman redeemer. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word became flesh. Hebrews tells us he had to become flesh because he didn't come to say, live a good life. God will accept you. No, he came to die the death we deserved, to pay our debt, to ransom us, and to give us a hope and a future. And anything that you've lost, anything that you've lost when you come to him, and when you leave Moab and you come to Israel, anything you lost is replaced. More than you could ever hope, dream, or imagine. I don't know what to say. I really don't. I've been here for seven years now. This is my seventh year, and I don't know what to say to convince you. Some of you've got to get out of Moab. You've been there far too long, but you're afraid to go to a new land because you're afraid if you leave this place, this place will not be as good. But because Jesus left his home and died for you, Here's what he tells you. Everybody in the room wants a good life, but you're settling for far too less. God wants to give you a great one. But that will only happen when you leave the security of Moab and you give your heart and soul and you immerse yourself into the God of Israel. 
as Ruth was willing to do. She forsake the things that gave her security in order, in order to gain the God who would give her all things. It's trust, isn't it? And the reason some of you have one foot in the world and one foot in the kingdom is because you don't fully trust that if you leave Moab completely and come to Israel, that God will supply all your need. And as long as you do that, you will never know the God who loves and provides. Never. You've been listening to Today with Jeff Finds. Next time, we'll bring you a new message from Pastor Jeff. You can listen to more messages like this. Just search for Today with Jeff Finds wherever you listen to podcasts. Today. 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 Today with Jeff Fines. This is a production by One and All Media. For more, head to oneandall.media.